Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of That Pretty Good Podcast. I am thrilled that you are here and thank you for being here. My name is Cara DeBella and I am your host. I just wanted to say a few things before we get into the interview today. The first one being that I know that there is some static in this episode and in a couple of the future episodes. So I apologize. I'm still learning kind of how to figure this whole thing out. So um, secondly, this episode is going to be a little bit longer than typical just because Sar and I got into a really powerful discussion about the racial movement going on in the world right now. So he actually inspired me. I wasn't going to release these episodes for about another month or two, but our discussion was just so powerful that I, you guys just had to hear it right away. So I pushed everything up. Um, I'm pretty scared shitless right now, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you for being here. Also, just want to quickly explain to you what this podcast is. So I think I've always had kind of like a fire inside me, like a bit of an urge, a huge urge actually, to do something bigger than what I'm doing right now. I know that I'm good at my job. I know I'm pretty good at a few different things, but what am I truly passionate about? What's the one thing that I can really see myself making it, I guess, with? And I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is that I love talking to people. And I also know that when I say that, that I am bigger than where I am in my life right now, I feel like a lot of people agree with me and they also share that feeling. And so I know that I'm not the only one feeling that way, which means I'm going to create a podcast to highlight people who have kind of taken a jump out of their nine to five careers or taken a risk or are doing something really, really inspirational and really um, kind of different than than the rest of us. And so I want to dive into their stories and how they got to where they are. I want to highlight people who, you know, are more successful and a little bit further down that road. I want to interview people who are kind of just breaking that point. And then I want to interview people who are just kind of starting and who have a dream and a mission and who are trying to make it right now. So that's kind of the range of what you guys can expect to see. And my goal out of this is if I can inspire one of you guys who has an idea and who wants to get out, get outside their comfort zone and do something, or if you feel the same way that I do and you know that you're supposed to be bigger than where you are in your life right now, but you don't know how to get there, that maybe by highlighting people's stories <clears throat> who are on their way there or are there, highlighting their journey can inspire you and can educate you on the possibilities of what there what there even is and maybe give you an idea of a niche that doesn't exist yet or you know push you in the direction that you want to go and the content's going to range too today's episode is a little bit more serious i've uh, already recorded some that have a more light kind of fun tone to it and then the best part about this i guess for me is this is kind of documenting me taking that journey and me doing something that I think I'm going to really love and that I do really love so far, um, but that I'm hoping will take me further. So it's kind of a fun little um, podcast diary, if you will, of my journey to get to where I'm going. So thank you guys again so much for being here. We're going to get into it here with Sar and let's get going. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of That Pretty Good Podcast. 
Today, I'm joined by Sar Safa. Sar is the founder, chief experience officer, and chairperson of the Canadian-based arts, music, and innovation festival called Sea Tribe. Sea Tribe is a community driven by diversity and helps innovative and creative people achieve their dreams. Sar is also a partner with the Canadian subsidiary of the company Autonomic that helps reduce the biggest headaches when you are building software. Most proudly, Sar is a stay-at-home son to two lovely parents and has an older sister. Welcome to the podcast, Sar. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. That's a mouthful. You've done a lot, I feel like. We have a lot to get into today. I hope so. I hope it's not all smokes and mirrors. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks again for um, agreeing to come speak with me so last minute. I know we just connected a couple of days ago, but it's great to meet you. No problem. Yeah, it came from a really strong uh, mutual connection of ours. For so sure. I was very happy to take up on the opportunity. Awesome. Hum- humble to be here. Great. Appreciate it. Um, okay, so I can't wait to dive into your story. But first, I think that last part of the intro about proudly living at home, I think I would go crazy if I did. <laughs> like, I want to know how that works. <laughs> yeah, that's a... That's an interesting part that you uh, you started with, so I'm happy that we can <laughs> we can dive into that. Let's let's just get to the nitty gritty right away. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. For context, uh, whenever I am in Edmonton, uh, I do uh, take advantage of the uh, the you know the fruits of my parents' labor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure, and I mean, just due to everything that's happened with COVID and how you know we've been restrained to stay at home and not travel too much. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of cooped me up in, in the house for, for the last three or four months and stuff. I see. Uh, yeah. So whenever I'm in, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, you mm-hmm. know, with the autonomic team or mm-hmm. whenever my, my girlfriend, she lives in, in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. Uh, and, you know, even this summer I was living in Toronto for four months and whatnot. So uh, it's just nice to kind of have a home base where, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, a cooked meal or you don't have to worry about... Uh, you know, various things, right? Yeah, yeah, the, of the course. luxuries that we get from from home. I mean, it, it is a little bit difficult having, uh, you know, grown up adults in the house. But, yeah. uh, you know, I look at them more as like my roommates and whatnot. Okay, so you played ball too at U of A, right? I did, yeah. Did, do you still play? I'm an ex-athlete, so yeah. uh, let's just leave it. <laughs> no, just kidding. I think we were talking about this yesterday. I was like, yeah, I call myself washed up. <laughs> yeah. I think it sounds funny. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't play too much. I mean, I still love the sport. I still follow it. Uh, yeah. You know, I have, you know, uh, everything that's happening in the NBA, I'm, I'm following it pretty Yeah, because the NBA is coming back July 31, I hear, right? That's right. Yeah. How exciting. That's Yeah. Go really Raps. Exciting. Go Raptors and go Lakers. The Lakers. I was going to ask what else your team is, but that makes sense. I'm a Kobe fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Bless up. Die hard. Yeah. RIP. <laughs> RIP. Okay. I want to get into it here. Okay. So obviously, you, this is the first time you and I have met, um, but just from learning about you through that mutual friend and just doing a little bit of my own research, it's clear that you're an extremely like passionate person. Have you kind of always been like that? That's a good question. You know, I, I think... There's a fine line between like passion and kind of uh, obsession, per se. Okay, yeah. So I I can say that I've definitely trotted that fine line almost to a point where, you know, it kind of became a little bit inconvenient for the people that were were around me that I I loved and cared cared about. Right. So uh, I'd like to say that I still kind of allow for that passion to come out in the things that I do and, and how committed I am to things, but is definitely making sure that you're, you're finding that fine, fine balance to allow for other things to happen in your life and, and to allow for, um, you know, for you to kind of just 
let go of the things that are your maybe your number ones and your number twos that you're really focusing your priority on mm -hmm. and being open to kind of more um, serendipitous opportunities and, and, sure. and chances that arise and stuff. So, so yeah, I think I definitely am, you know, pretty passionate about the things that I do. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I've been really contextual about just documenting how I spend my time during my day and just making sure that I'm I'm, I'm dedicating time to to the things that are also very important to me, which is. Uh, you know, family, uh, my, my spiritual practice, um, exercise, as we just kind of talked of course, about. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the people that I, I love, and care, love and care about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sounds like that's kind of a way for you to create intent in your life and to kind of set yourself up for, to make sure that at the end of the week, you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to do. But at the same time, when things happen and like disrupt your emotional and mental well-being, like you need to listen to that too, right? And like exactly. listen to that gut feeling inside of you and just do what your body needs you to do. And sometimes when you don't get them done, you got to give yourself grace. And sometimes yeah. when you don't get them done, you got to push yourself harder, obviously exactly. in like different circumstances, but exactly and interesting. Just being able to just sit with whatever you're feeling at that moment, right? Whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's mm -hmm. sadness, you know, just being willing to just like take a breath and realize that, you know, your, your body is telling you this for, for a reason, you know, it could be, it could be to your betterment or to your detriment, depending mm -hmm. on kind of how you look at it, mm -hmm. but just being, being willing, willing to just sit there and be like, okay, first of all, emotions are fleeting, meaning that they're not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. Right. I think often we kind of get in the mindset that whenever we're feeling sad, it's like, oh my God, the whole world is ending and I will never recover from this. Mm -hmm. When that's really not the case, right? You know, maybe it takes a day, maybe it takes a mm -hmm. week, sometimes maybe it takes a month, yep. right? Um, but just being willing to just like sit with that and just accept it that this is, you know, a way that your body is reminding you to just pay attention yep. um, it is really, really important too. And that's one of the things that I get from just the process of reflecting. Yeah, that's something that I'm working on too, for sure. Because I think like when I get anxious or sad about something, I'm, as you know, like a very like bubbly outgoing person. So when I, I feel that too, like I feel that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always just taught myself to like shun that side of me and to mm -hmm. like to not be like, that's not who I am. I'm this outgoing fun person. Right. But then it's like so overwhelming. The anxiety is like, I need to be heard. I need to be just felt and listened to yeah. that. Like it's you, you're almost like paralyzed. And then you're like, you know, it's even tougher. So I totally agree with you. That's really insightful that you just kind of got to sit with it and just listen, listen to yourself, right? And there, just there's, a, there's a really good book by, I think her name's Kristen Almer. Uh, she was like a, you know, Olympic, you know, renowned skier. Uh, you know, she won multiple gold medals and stuff. And she, she wrote this book. I don't, I don't think it's called The Art of Fear, but it's something with it has fear in the title mm -hmm. and it basically just gives you these frameworks that you can follow to um, be okay with your body giving you signals. Right. And, you know, she uses a really good analogy that at least it resonated with me um, kind of, you know, being part of companies and, 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 you know, working or building teams and stuff. You know, she said that every single, every single emotion that you have, is a form of an employee within this corporation that's your body mm -hmm. and the more that you ignore that emotion right we often ignore the emotions of anxiety we often ignore the emotions of fear we often ignore the emotions of sadness um, but your fear emotion is kind of like your ceo right if your if your ceo is telling you 
hey, Kara, you know, you're spending a lot of money on this podcast and you got to slow down mm-hmm. and not, you know, just be meticulous about where mm-hmm. your, your, your money is going and invest into things that you're going to see your return so you can build sustainability and longevity with this. And just imagine if you keep ignoring that, yeah. then it's going to come to a point where everything just comes all crashing down and you're going to look back and be like, what the hell happened? Where did, where did this come from? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just really being objective to be like, okay, this person is telling me something. This feeling is telling me something. And, you know, I just have to sit with it, listen, and then then I can take the action as to what to do next. And sometimes you're right. It just means just not doing anything or recalibrating to be like, okay, this is what it's telling me. This is how I'm going to, um, you know, accept what it's telling me and, and, and take it to the next steps and stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if, if you ever get a chance to, to pick up that book, I, I highly recommend it. Okay. And I can cool. even share it with you after the podcast. Sure, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, Thanks. No problem. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break here to hear Kara's COVID joke of the day. I actually was thinking about telling you guys a coronavirus joke, but then I thought you'd have to wait two weeks to see if you got it. If you or somebody you know would like to advertise on That Pretty Good Podcast, please send me a DM via Instagram. Thank you very much, and we will get back to it with Sar here. I wanted to get into diversity because diversity is a huge, you know, a huge part of your platform. It's always been hugely important, but now it's kind of front and center in the world, right? So, like, what does diversity mean to you like are like do you focus more on like cultural racial diversity are we talking like gender are we talking disability like what what does that really mean to you yeah that's that's a really good question and i think there's a lot to unpack there so i guess i can kind of give you the context of where uh you know c tribe was bred from and Mm -hmm. how we you know we we kind of built diversity into our, our mission statement, right? Because, yeah. you know, as you mentioned with the intro, our, mit- our mission is to, uh, you know, create a platform that celebrates diversity and help mm-hmm. people that are innovative and creative and achieving their dreams. And, you know, how we do that is through various forms, whether it's, um, you know, festivals or whether it's through, um, you know, just creating a grounds for people to connect and collide. Um, so, you know, I think I touched on really briefly when I, I moved to New York, I mean, I think this was about 2016 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the exact dates, but it was the same year that Trump got elected. Right. Um, and uh, so I moved there and I, I had the goal of going out and raising venture capital for, for Capsule, uh, which was a company that uh, I, 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 used to, I used to run. We had a platform that was kind of in its early stages and everything. And yeah. we even, we raised, uh, you know, a six-figure um what's it called uh friends and family round okay and so you know my task was to go to new york and as a ceo raise money to get to like the next stage and stuff right mm-hmm. and you know it just kind of turned out that um just the opportunities that were available for for people of color weren't the same as maybe some of my my caucasian peers and stuff right really and and, and long story short I, I ended up you know spending spending four months there and and, you know, eventually like just running out of money and, you know, I had to come back and just let the team know that, you know, they couldn't be employed anymore because there was, you know, we we were kind of on our last leg of the of the uh, of the investment capital that we, we mm-hmm. initially raised and stuff. And it was just this really challenging and, you know, 
almost, I mean, not almost depressing, yeah. you know, time in, in my, my life where, you know, as, you know, as somebody that had brought, you know, four other people who were engineers and designers and people that really wanted to build this product, mm-hmm. you know, I, I recruited them and I was like, Hey, this is where we're going. This is what we can do. This, these are the opportunities that are kind of, that can arise if we continue building this and stuff. Right. So, you know, just to have those people that put so much trust in, and, and who I was and, and who the where the company was going. Right. Just to kind of come back home and just let them know that, hey, you know, I, I, I failed. And unfortunately, we're unable to take things to the next level. Um, and I mean, luckily, they were very talented um, people and they could find other roles with other, you know, much uh, you know, successful companies and everything. So luckily for them, they they had other doors that kind of opened. Um, and so coming back, I had a decision, right? I I, I was back in my, my parents' basement and, um, you know, for about two weeks, the, uh, the young lady that I was dating at a time, um, you know, she would get up and she would, you know, she would go to, uh, she would go do her thing, whether it's work or school or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I would just still be in bed. I was just very like down and out. Right. Because it just felt like I let a lot of people down. Um, and but there is this event that I attended when I was in New York. Uh, it was this event called Founders Friday. Mm-hmm. And basically it would give a, a platform to, you know, various various people to come and talk about the things that they were working on. And right. these were very successful people from like the, the greater New York area and stuff. Right. So, you know, maybe they've created, you know, uh, companies that have raised millions of dollars for their AI company, or maybe they were, you know, working on wall street or, you know, they were heavy into the fashion space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was unique was that each person was very, very diverse. Each person, you know, I could, I could go to some weeks and be like, holy crap, like I look, talk and walk like this person, you know, this is somebody that I can see myself following and, and maybe identifying with the path that they took. Mm-hmm. And look up to, look right. up to. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I think what made things even more challenging when I came back to Edmonton was that there wasn't nothing like that here. Right. You know, a lot of the, you know, maybe entrepreneurial mixtures that I would go to, you know, they unfortunately didn't have people in, in high positions of power that looked, talked and walked like me. Right. And, you know, I just I just really thought that that was such a big piece to the puzzle in terms of growing this innovation and creative ecosystem that mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we we've been we've been challenged to grow in every single city and stuff. So I know this is getting into a long story, but uh, no, this is a great story. I'm like so engaged. I'm like, uh-huh, go on. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and wrap up. So no we, worries. Um, so, you know, it was about February 7th, I think. And I had, um, you know, that's, that's when I landed back in, in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I took about two weeks where I was just, you know, completely down and out. And, yeah. um, you know, even as bad as like, you know, my girlfriend, uh, you know, we, we had some, some challenges that, that arose too, uh, that, you know, just weren't, um, amendable. So, you know, I was out of a job, out of money, um, you know, didn't have my girlfriend anymore. So right. it was just very, very challenging time Low for me. Point, for Low sure. point for sure. Um, and you know, I was like, okay, I have, I have a business degree, you know, I, I can go be a consultant. I can go be an accountant. I can, um, you know, I can go work in finance or mm-hmm. I can do so many di- various things with that degree and stuff. Right. Um, or I can give myself two and a half months to maybe build something from scratch 
and see where that leads and see where that takes me. And I was just so latched on to this idea of, uh, you know, a, a, a diverse festival that mm-hmm. would um, that would bring together people from different backgrounds and kind of show them that, hey, you look, talk and walk a certain way. And these are some really interesting people for you to meet because they've done some interesting things that yeah. you should connect with or that you should you should know. Um, and, and kind of build it in a way that had a high entertainment value where, I mean, people just weren't coming to just sit down and just listen to talks. Right. Not to say that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But, you know, we, you know, living in this um, experience economy where platforms like Cirque du Soleil are really popular right. or, you know, if you go to a concert or an event, it's a very like, you know, inner body, you know, high experiential events and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really just kind of adding that entertainment component to it. So, cool. about, you know, end of February till I think May 25th, I kind of gave myself two and a half months. And, you know, I, my dad luckily gave me his, uh, his credit card, you know, had about, you know, a few thousand dollars on it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, calling everybody who could possibly attend this, calling different speakers, hmm. calling different, um, you know, partners that we could collaborate with and everything. And luckily, you know, it, it turned into this beautiful one day event that brought together about, you know, 200 people for the for the first one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, four years later, I'm happy to say that it's it's transcended into, uh, you know, about I think we had 1500 people at our at our last one and, you know, various different partners like, you know, RBC, Dentons, uh, you know, Rocks, some really, really mm-hmm. qualified brands that have kind of gave us their stamp of uh, approval and stuff. So uh, I don't even know what the question is, but that's kind the of the question origin. was about diversity. But we got into my <laughs> next question, which was what Sea Tribe and how did you start it? So this, this, okay. that was a perfect transition. You did my job for me there. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> um, I have a question though. When you said you have two and a, you had two and a half months, why did you have two and a half months only? Well, that's how much uh, living space I, or sorry, that's how much breathing room I had I to cover see. my costs I uh, before okay. I had to go back into the job market. And so whatnot. you calculated it and you were like, well, it's go time. This like, let's try it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whoa, that's cool. Thank you. When you said uh, one of your partners is Ciroc, whenever I, whenever <laughs> I see or hear Ciroc, like I just think about like DJ Khaled, just like Ciroc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, you, have you ever seen those, uh, those P. Diddy commercials of... Uh, if you get a chance, go go on uh, Diddy's Instagram and okay. just look at his. Uh, he has this like weird, out of the world, just rock commercials that he's in and stuff. But they're they're really funny. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I will for sure. Yeah, but DJ Khaled is a big uh, proponent of of his brand too. So. I think so. Yeah, because yeah. I just feel like I can see him like in his music music videos, just rock. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so how did you like? research the people to be like how did you know who you wanted to come to sea tribe the first time especially yeah that's a really good question um so are you, in terms of like attendees or speakers or both speakers or speakers okay yeah. Gotcha. yeah and then after that i want a two-part question after that i want to know like who you targeted and how you did that too to yeah, get attendees gotcha. but let's talk about the speakers first sure for sure yeah you know i think what was really important for me was you know i wanted to recreate the feeling that i had in New York where I just felt like it was a place for me. Right. right? If, if I had maybe a few extra months worth of runway or if I could live in New York even longer, I, I would, but it was just way too expensive for, for one. Right. Uh-huh. And we weren't making the, the traction towards some of our, our fundraising goals. So, but at the same time, it still felt because of how 
you know, diverse the city is, mm-hmm. it still felt like it was a place that I could just really grow up in and, and relate to and, and get to know people that, like I said, look, talk and walk like me and right. whatnot. Yep. So I, I really wanted to find a way where I could remix and, and reimagine what, what I experienced there and allow other people to, uh, to, 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 to feel that. And so when we were, when I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of thinking of the speaker list and, and who could attend, you know, I had to be kind of contextual about a few things that, hey, if you're going to bring somebody from New York, you know, they're probably going to ask you to pay for their flight and accommodation and maybe some kind of per diem and stuff. So sure. I had for to sure. be conscious about that yep. and then kind of how far people were traveling from. Right. And so, but it just, it kind of worked out where some of the relationships that I, I created when I was in New York you know, as soon as they heard about what what I was doing here, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm in. I've never been to Edmonton before. I don't even know where it is, but uh, sign me up. And so the, the other kind of part of the equation was, you know, okay, how, how can we make this about entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. chase, chasing your, your dreams and, 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 and being, being honest and not honest, but just being authentic. Yeah. Being authentic to your, yeah. to your true self, but not make people feel like, Oh, this is like this, another business conference that you can, right. you can just attend or, totally. you know, another like, you know, business mixer or whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one of the things that we did, which has actually been like a, a big component of us now was, uh, of us, of our festival now is we incorporated a, a fashion show at the very end. I know I saw that. That's so cool. Yeah, so we 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 kind of allowed the creative capacity of other individuals mm-hmm. that maybe didn't fit the realm of your typical business owner, but yet they were still building unique products or unique services. Maybe they were stylists, maybe they were designers, maybe they mm-hmm. were makeup artists or models right. or whatever. You know, a fashion show was just a really unique way for us to celebrate diversity and create a platform for these innovative and creative people to come together for a full production that would hopefully, um, you know, inspire other people, right? So, and what what that did too is that it kept people from about eight a.m. when the conference when the festival started till you know the fashion show ended at eleven p.m. and there was an after party until about two a.m. Mm-hmm. So it kept people engaged for like the whole day and stuff, right? So that was really important when we were thinking about the production and how we could surround this pro- programming with you know, what I would call, um, the, 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 the anchor, the anchor talent, right? Cause it yeah. wasn't just speakers, you know, it, it was a mix of, uh, you know, creative directors and designers and, um, you know, people who own clothing lines and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Right. So, and, you know, kind of th- hearing about it, maybe for people who aren't familiar with this model, it seems kind of like, all over the place and wacky per right. se. Okay. But, you know, if you look around the world, if you look at events like South by Southwest in, in Austin, Texas, which is, uh, you know, a 400,000 person festival and they integrate film and art and innovation and, um, you know, whole various different like pillars and sectors and industries mm-hmm. that kind of come together and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're really trying to grow up to that kind of, kind of providing a reason for people to, uh, to come to the city and spend time here, but also be exposed to the the talents and 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 you know really cool people doing awesome things and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But uh, we we definitely have a long way to go. Um, and in terms of just like targeting people who attended, um, 
you know, we initially positioned the the festival as being a very millennial focused and millennial okay. driven event. Sure. Yeah. Uh, given that, uh, you know, we felt that for Edmonton being the, you know, the second youngest city in all of all of Canada, you know, there weren't as many events that kind of talked and um, embraced this demographic and mm-hmm. everything. And I mean, obviously, too, because I I came from that demographic. And right. so I had a few connections and friends of people that were like, all right, sorry, you know, we, we love you and we like you. So I'm just going to get a ticket and come check it out and stuff. Right. So <laughs> yeah, friends and friends are friends and family and that kind of thing is always yeah. going to support for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I hear that. <laughs> what helped you grow it from like 100 people coming that first year to 1,500 this past year? What helped you grow it? And like if it continues to grow also, why don't I just keep doing the two-part questions? Because I think I'm going to keep forgetting them um, and I don't want to forget them. But also like are, do you think if it keeps kind of growing at that exponential rate, you'll look at expanding to other Canadian cities? Yeah, that's a really good question. Wow. Okay, so the first part in terms of uh, what was the catalyst for growth, you know, I think it's just a mixture of different things. And I mean, I think, I think number one, you know, I think when you're starting anything is you have to be realistic with the trends and like where the world is going and stuff right Mm -hmm. so i mean it's funny because i was talking to my friend he he runs a uh a venture capital firm and you know he evaluates businesses and ideas all the time Mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff and you know he's he's a very good mentor of mine that i can i can get my ideas in front of and be like hey like what do you think about this and stuff right and and so we were writing this uh you know, we're, we're looking to bring on some some debt financing from um, a community partner here to allow us to kind of take things to the next next level. Right. And they asked us to put together this deck. And, you know, within our problem side, so this was about like October when I was creating it. Oh, no, it was after the festival. So probably about December or January when I was creating it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within our problem side, one of the things that I... I stated as, you know, why C-Tribe was important and why, you know, the collision of not only ideas but also people was important. Uh, You know, one of the problems that I addressed was, you know, there's a growing divisiveness amongst, you know, amongst people, right? Right. Whether we're seeing it with Wexit or whether we're seeing it with, you know, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, even though the BLM movement has contextually been able to bring people together, mm-hmm. there are still actors that are trying to cause that division and keep that division and stuff, right? So, you know, these were trends that, you know, even I noticed when we were even planning the first festival, okay. because whenever we would go to, let's say, uh, a financial company, like, let's say, an RBC to, to sponsor, Right. You know, they they didn't really get, you know, why, you know, we wanted a financial company and why we wanted Google and why we wanted Ciroc to all be like partners and sponsors Uh and stuff. Or even why we were doing some topics on the future of work and then doing some topics um, on artificial intelligence and then doing some topics on, you know. Uh, and then hosting like a fashion show, right? Right. Like they, they it's, that's all very, those are all very, like they're wildly different things, right? They're wildly different. But yeah. the, the, the reality is that if you run an artificial intelligence company, 
you're going to need someone who understands finances, mm-hmm. right? If you, um, you know, as a, as a, 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 every, you know, the reason why RBC is one of the, you know, is the biggest bank in Canada is because they've been also, they've also been able to capitalize on the, the creativity and artistic and the, um, the communities here that are, you know, allowing people to live, work and play in cities, mm-hmm. right? One of the reasons why people go to live in places like Toronto or Vancouver or New York is yes, there's more opportunities there and there's more jobs, but they're also driven systemically by the artistic community, right? Like mm-hmm. fashion is really big there. Music is really big there. Entertainment is really big there. For sure. So all of these kind of industries come together and they can learn and 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 kind of be of assistance to each other so that they can each each kind of grow Mm -hmm. and this is one of the things that i recognized when i was in when i was in uh when i was in toronto or sorry when i was in new york was that you know you would walk around the room after the speaking series was done and you would see somebody on wall street talking to like a photographer or you would see you know a, a high caliber fashion model talking to um the finance you know, person yeah, or something. Finance, something right yeah it was really really cool to kind of yeah. see that at work and everything like networking right? yeah so you know when when we were creating this deck one of the questions that my my investor friend asked me was i mean like is there really proof of like this divisiveness uh kind of happening or you mm-hmm. know you know this you know you say that there's a there's a rise in like divisiveness and you know the world is getting to this boiling point so get i mean this was back in December and January and stuff, right? Okay. And then, as we know it, a few months later, you know, Black Lives Matter happened. And mm-hmm. it just kind of became this whole thing mm-hmm. where, you know, middle class, lower class, people that were in lower socioeconomic statuses and stuff kind of just rose up. And they're like, we're fed up. We're fed up with how unjust this system is to us. We're fed up with you know, seeing our people get lynched in broad daylight on the street. We're yep. fed up with how we're treated as second class citizens. And mm-hmm. we're, we're just fed up with not having a voice and not having the same level of privilege as our counterparts and stuff. Right. Of course. And so that was like a really like cementing moment to just be like, oh, crap, like this problem statement that we stated, you know, even in the origins of Sea tribe and mm-hmm. kind of something that has allowed us to kind of ride its wave it's really something that people care about. And yep. now the international community is basically looking at this problem to be like, holy crap, we, we have to address this. Yep. Right. So I guess back to your question, why did Sea tribe you know, kind of grow and what was the catalyst is we identified a trend that, you know, it wasn't necessarily known yet per se, or it wasn't, not that it wasn't known, but, you know, Peter Thiel, he's a very famous investor. He asks, you know, what's something that you know that may be a contrarian point of view to to somebody else um, or, or to the rest of the world primarily? Mm-hmm. And what, what's something that very few people agree with you on? And that's the origins of a really successful business because if you're able to identify that trend or identify that thing that maybe other people don't see or don't know yet or don't mm-hmm. recognize, mm-hmm. when that wave hits, when that becomes a popular topic of discussion, you know, if you're positioned right, you're going to be able to ride that trend into the future. I mean, you know, companies like PayPal, right? Why was PayPal, I mean, people didn't want to pay online for anything. They didn't want to put their credit cards online, let alone 
trustless online platform mm-hmm. that said would manage their money, right? Or or Airbnb and Uber. You know, sure. people didn't want to, you know, come and live in people's basements because it was dangerous. It was yeah. considered as like taboo. Sure. People didn't want to get into strangers' cars and stuff, right? right? But what these companies were able to do is they were able to, you know, position so well with that messaging mm-hmm. that four or five years, once that trend line hit and people were like, oh crap, I can actually do this or you know this is oh. actually com- like this is actually safe or yeah i can i feel empowered to join this conversation i.e black lives matter right mm-hmm. we're seeing the reason why this is the biggest civil rights movement in all of history is because of the internet that we are sorry because of the technology that we have available to mm-hmm. us but also we're seeing that we're having much more allies that aren't just part of the the, the people of color community right we're seeing, you know, Caucasian people. We're seeing people from, you know, I mean, Asians are, are also, you know, people of color. But we're seeing people that are, yeah. you know, aligning with this message and uh-huh. being like, fuck, like, we're not in support of this this unjust behavior towards mm-hmm. this, this group. And, you know, we're going to stand up for it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of been one of the reasons why, you know, and don't get me wrong, like some calls you're on with some of these, you know, partners or, or attendees and stuff, and they're like, you know, we, we just don't get it. We just don't get it. When, when funnily enough, you know, even though those, you know, I don't know how many partners I got rejected uh, by last year. And then this year, you know, we weren't able to kind of go actively into the market to fundraise for, for new partners and everything because of COVID. And, you know, we wanted to be respectful, respecting to kind of what was happening sure. in the ec- ec- economy and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like I've gotten three messages from like, big brands like fortune 500 brands being like holy crap okay we get it we we get what this platform is about we we want to be part of this and you know we're we're starting a division um that's going to you know find ways that we can help out and and address this this problem for Mm -hmm. this community because this affects our business this affects where we stand um and and how and how we attack this is going to be material to you know, how we conduct business in the future and stuff, right? For sure. I think that's probably, like, the biggest piece about the BLM movement is, like, you're right. There is, like, not not people, not... Non-people. Non-people of color, (laughs) English, Kara, um, are, like, so getting behind it. And I think, like, Obviously, with like I'm with me being white, like that's what's resonated with me the most too. It's like I am so distraught by the things that I'm seeing and learning about, but I don't know what that feels like, and I never will, and that's fucked up in itself. In itself, right? And I think that's why, like, so many Caucasians and non people of color, right, are getting so involved because we're like realizing that now, which it's kind of fucked up in itself that it took this. Yeah. For us to realize this, you yeah. know, because yeah. like everyone's always, always saying it's not good enough to just not be racist, right? Because yeah. I would always be like, yeah, I'm not racist, of course, right? But yeah. like now we all need to be actively anti-racist. So those companies yeah. reaching out to you, that's what they're doing mm-hmm. with that. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And I mean, I think why that's so crucial, Kara, is because, you know, you have much more sphere of influence on your network and your family than I will ever have. It doesn't matter how many times, 
your peers or your friends or your family listen to this podcast and mm -hmm. you know they're listening to this random stranger saying that okay all this you know stuff that we've been doing in the past is unjust it's not fair right you know it's not to say it's going to go in one ear or out the other but it's not going to resonate at the same level as as Kara being like okay you know we're at the dinner table. Let's have a conversation about this. Let's call out some of the yep. behaviors that we may not have classified as microaggression or as racist mm -hmm. or, or as whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because we we live in, everybody lives in this system and structure where these have been taught to us, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, yes, we can come out and say that, okay, some people are very overtly racist and stuff and and that's probably as bad as maybe some of the the stealth and more you know subtle racism that we we see, but they all have to be addressed and they all have to 100%. be talked about and stuff. And so why it's so important that we're 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 gaining you know allyship kind of behind this movement is because of that root issue is because we have to get, every nook and cranny and every corner of the globe and identify the problem mm -hmm. right what's mm -hmm. the first what's the first stage in problem solving for sure you can't just jump to a solution if you don't even identify it of course you not. have to identify it clarify it and state it in a way where people understand that oh okay this is what i've been doing that mm -hmm. you know may come off as being like a little bit microaggressive and so it's it's a two-part problem or i guess it's a challenge and an opportunity because yeah we have that we have that chance to do that now we have that chance to get that type of leadership within you know these nooks and crannies and corners of the world as mm -hmm. i've kind of been talking about right but where the challenge is is that we've been thrusted into this right we've yes you can say we've reached this boiling point but no one knew when we were going to get over 100 degrees Celsius. Nobody knew that. Right. And so everyone that wants to be part of this movement has to kind of evolve their conscious to now be now believe that they can be leaders within their spheres of influence. For sure. And the challenge that I'm finding is that a lot of folks haven't been able to practice that leadership. A lot of folks haven't been able to put their beliefs aside and just listen to somebody and what they're saying. Not in a sense of being like, oh, that was racist, so I'm going to completely discredit you for everything else that right, you said. Right, right, right. Just sitting there and being like, okay, wow, that's, that's where you're coming from. This is what you really, really believe, and this is what's really, really been ingrained with you. But I think the challenge that we're running into right now is that a lot of people are assuming that leadership and they're trying to have these conversations, but because some of the, 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 the trauma and the wounds are so deep for people, mm -hmm. as soon as they feel the little sense of uh, pushback or microaggression, you know, then they switch to fight first fight mode. Yep. And that's a bad mode to be in. Fight if or you flight is a enact bad change, place to be. If you want to enact change, that's a terrible place to, to be in. Right. And so we're, we're all kind of, forced to be like little micro leaders within our community but i can't tell you how many times my friends have messaged me and they're like 
sorry, this is so frustrating. Like, I can't believe this person said this or like, why would they say that? Like, they know that I'm a person of color or, you know, I'm a Caucasian and like, mm-hmm. these, these are what my, 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 pe- my, my black friends are saying and stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to create a, uh, an alignment with them and understand, but they keep on pushing back. So like, I'm having so many of these conversations on a daily basis mm-hmm. and it's, it's challenging. Like even, even between myself, right? Like I had one of my really dear friends tell me that, Trump was the best thing that happened to America. This is what they told me. And so, so at surface level, that's a very offensive comment, right? To yep. say to a person of color. Yep. But I took it back. I, I sat with it. And what I was able to come grips to with is that the BLM movement would not be at where it is right now if America wasn't able to identify the problem of the racial injustice that they currently have. And that has been predicated and driven by Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. the 45th president of the most powerful country in the world. That's what Mm -hmm. it took for America to come to grips and be like, holy shit, like we are actually dealing with this. Like everything that people of color have been complaining about for the last decades and stuff like we're actually living it and this is actually happening in our community right so like it's really interesting to take that very offensive comment and actually identify the truth that's really in it yep and if your first reaction is to be like ah fuck this person i'm never talking to this person again or why would they even say that then we're gonna lose all these little tidbits of progress that we can make right and because it's in those daily little conversations yes and not just turning your back and going to talk shit about that person who was just said a racist comment it's in like educating that person or in that little conversation that you have every day or multiple times a day and thousands of people doing that that's what's gonna like affect change yes exactly because i mean you know what what america you know, they thought that just because they had a, a person of color in leadership with their 44th president and Barack Obama, they thought that that was like a big win for like racism. They're like, uh-huh. oh, there's no racism here. Right. And, oh, you know, I, I would almost make the argument that if Barack Obama was the president right now, that we still would be simmering at this place of mm. America not identifying the root issues and the systemic injustice that they have within all of their industries and all of their practices and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, because America is a global power, those those strategies and trends do tr- do transcend to countries like Canada and, and all other places. I mean, mm-hmm. there's racial injustice everywhere, right? Of course. Uh, between Ukraine and Russia. I mean, we can we can go across the board and, mm-hmm. and list different countries that have racial injustice and stuff, right? Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, I think um, that's been really powerful for me. I mean, there, there was something else that a, a, another friend of mine said. You know, he, he made a comment saying that, hey, if we're focusing this much on Black Lives Matter, then shouldn't we be focusing on the... Uh, on the on the you know anim- animal uh, industry and how we're, we're we're treating animals poorly and stuff right so this was a comment that he made and like i i again my first reaction was of course like that's when you were saying these things to me that's my reaction like my heart drops and i'm like grr <laughs> <laughs> yeah like and, and uh, i mean that it just like it you just get this like cringy feeling in, yeah. in, your, in your body just reading that for face value um but the way that i cut and 
don't get me wrong. I may be a very optimistic person and I may be a person who's able to take a negative and a positive. And, you know, maybe that's been a trait that has helped me um, or not helped me. Who knows? But mm -hmm. I looked at that and I'm like, okay, you know, there's a little bit of education that's needed here, right? Because this is a person that, you know, we have mutual respect for. Yeah. You know, I'm not just going to go on his, um, his, you know, his page and just blast, blast all right. this stuff against no. him that's going to make him feel, you know, uh, lower or whatnot. But, mm -hmm. Defensive. You know, and I just messaged him. I was like, you know what? Like, you, you can't go to a breast cancer gala and use it as a platform to talk about this particular cancer. And as soon as I provide that yes, resemblance sir. for him, you know, he, he messaged me. He's like, you know, I, I, I'm really trying to just, uh, you know, identify this this problem that's really important to me and stuff. And you know, and, and it was a time for me to just like engage with him and educate with him and, and just say, hey, like that just it probably wasn't the right time and place, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, even to this day, I'm, I'm just like checking in on him and be like, hey, like everything all right? I know you kind of received a little bit of backlash on that on that post that you made and stuff but it's like if we don't do these things then that's a person that you know now he's an ally versus him feeling or um you know feeling pressured or shamed yeah. to right. believe in why right. this is important and stuff right mm -hmm. so you know i don't know i don't know i could be completely left with this in the sense that you know there's a little bit of objectivity and empathy and um, kind of tactical thinking that's required to it. Um, but with a little bit of, I guess, leadership experience that I do have, I found that we'll have to find what that middle ground is, right? We'll, we'll have to, you know, even though we're, we're, we're suffering from trauma, even though, you know, these are just unheard voices that haven't been given the, the light of day for, 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 for the longest time, you know, we'll, we'll have to find a way to put ourselves in the shoes of like empathy and just, you know, tactically thinking of how we can take some of these statements and some of these things that are said or some of these things that are done and, you know, not only treating them as an education moment, but also treating it as a way where we're, we, can, we can change the system from inside out, mm -hmm. right? I think before we were playing checkers, now we're playing chess. Man, you're incredible. Like, do, do you realize how amazing that is? That somebody posted something that was like offensive to the core of who you are and you educated them, first of all, without getting defensive and angry. And then you like looped back to check in with them to see if they were okay. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like yeah. I'm actually going <gasps> to get emotional right now. Like, that's incredible. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we, as much as I feel that me or my fellow people of color, you know, we, as much as I feel that we are the ones who are in need of this consoling mm -hmm. or this empathy or, um, you know, this understanding, you know, it's, it's a two-way street, yeah. right? And, and if we want to be at that place where people can embrace us and really feel empowered to see us as equal, yeah. then, you know, I think we have to reciprocate the behavior that we, we want to attract to us and stuff, right? Do you guys hear that? Like, I'm still crying like a baby over here because I'm just like, Whew. I'm sorry. No, oh my God, don't be sorry. Like, I feel very deeply and like passionate about this and you're teaching me things here right now and like you're teaching the audience things and I'm so incredibly grateful oh. <laughs> for that. Thank you. Because no I like, I don't think I could have had a better person 
on the podcast. I can't. Like, I'm literally bawling right now, you guys. Um, I don't think I could I have had a better person hard, to talk COVID. to. But COVID, <laughs> I know. I'm okay. I'm okay. This is. These are like happy tears. These are like your amazing tears. And like, we need more people like you, right? So thank you for sharing that story. And thank you for educating me and the listeners and the audience on yeah. that. On that note, uh, we're just going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for this week's episode of That Pretty Good Pack Test, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Martech Smart Solutions. Bring a little magic into your home with your next home build or renovation project with Martech Smart Solutions, offering professional home automation technology. A true smart system makes your life more convenient and your home safer, more comfortable, energy efficient, and easy to enjoy. Imagine crawling into bed and with the press of one button or voice command, have all the lights in the house turn off, blinds close, doors lock, and alarm systems armed, all automatically. MarTech isn't your average electrical company, offering a full scope of wired solutions including automated lighting and window coverings, home audio, security systems and cameras, and complete system automation and integration. With an interactive showroom and complimentary consultations, MarkTech Smart Solutions works with you to bring the wow factor that you're looking for. Give them a call when you are planning on building new or renovating your existing home at 250-365-2115 and check them out on Instagram at MarkTech Smart Solutions. Hey guys, welcome back. I am here with Sar. And um, after that heavy but super enlightening and super inspiring, motivating segment, um, we're going to jump back to passion because a huge piece of this podcast is that we kind of are all taught to follow your passion. Mm -hmm. But like, what do you do if you don't? Like for me, for example, I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm pretty good at a few different things. And like, I don't know what my one quote unquote true passion is. Mm -hmm. So like, what, like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the... The things that we we forget when we're discussing passion and when we're really thinking about our reason for being is you know we're i think we're very good at identifying the things that we we love and the things that we're good at yeah and uh, but there's another kind of quadrant that we often forget which is you know what the, what does the world really need and then the other part of it is what will the world actually pay you for right yeah and and how do you uh, monetize it how do you monetize it for exactly sure. What's worked really well for me is uh, four things is mentorship. You know, I think yeah. over over mentioned, but I don't think it's really um, talked about to, you know, the, the, the degree as to how it's useful in different ways to explore mentorship. So for me, mentors that I look up to are live in the virtual world, live in the Internet, live in autobiographies, live in live in books and stuff. Right. I mean, we've been so lucky to live in the world of the you know of, of just connectivity where if you want to learn about somebody and you want to learn about the things that they did and the steps that they took i mean not only can you read autobiographies case studies about them but you can also follow them on their social media platforms or watch their youtube videos or you know read you know listen to their podcasts and stuff mm -hmm. and you know you can almost get more information through that practice Versus if you knew that person directly and yeah. maybe you could only go for a coffee with that person. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. That's still very valuable. Yeah. I mean, if you have a relationship with someone like Jay-Z, like by all means, 
please invite me over for the next dinner say, party, right? Hook us up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think the reality is that a lot of the folks that we, we look up to don't necessarily live, you know, one degree in separation from us and stuff, right? So we have for to sure. find other means to see kind of how they got to where they got. So that's been really good for, for me. And, you know, some of the folks that I look up to as mentors include, you know, folks like Jay-Z. Um, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey is a very big mentor of mine. Um, Jeff Bezos is a really, really big mm -hmm. mentor. And um, there's also another gentleman. Uh, his name's Tristan Walker. So he he started a company that eventually got acquired by Procter and Gamble okay. in the health and beauty space. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now he's a, you know he's a person of color sitting on the board of directors for you know arguably one of the biggest consumer brand companies in the entire world and stuff, right? So yeah, those are those are some folks that I, I look up to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, another kind of contrarian way that I found to help kind of discover my passion is also sitting on nonprofit boards. You mm. know. Uh, working in the confines of, of places where, you know, you're not getting anything in return. You're just there to, you know, provide value to a board and, 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 you know, reap the benefits of those relationships or those connections or the things that you learn and stuff. Right. And, you know, it's a very like selfless thing that, that people can do. And I think, you know, especially folks from our generation, we can spend more time, you know, volunteering for non-for-profit boards. But I mean, it's just been amazing the amount of doors that it helped open for me and, a, a, you know, amount of um, opportunities that I've been exposed to because mm -hmm. of because of doing those things. Right. And, you know, some some board commitments are three months. Some of them are a year. Some of them are two years. Mm -hmm. You know, you set your criteria. You set how much time you want to put towards it. Mm -hmm. But you can you can dabble in spaces that maybe you wouldn't regularly be able to uh, right. just with uh, working a job or even just even if you were to start a business in that space, there are things that non-for-profits can expose you to because they're a little bit more far ahead. Um, and the third thing that uh, that I like to do when, uh, you know, kind of considering my my passion and, and whatnot mm -hmm. is I like to live below my means. Mm -hmm. Right. So if it means that I'm saving a little bit of more money because you know, I'm I'm taking the bus or LRT to a place where I can take the bus or LRT to. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. You know, and you know, as kind of as mentioned in my intro, whenever I'm in Edmonton, I, I love to stay with my parents because it's right. You know, I, I save a lot of money that way and stuff, right? And if that's you know, I kind of look at that as investing in my future self, right? I mean, that car note that I can get right now. You know, yeah, it could be great to be driving a, a, a nice car and stuff versus, you know, what could I utilize with that, you know, with that monetary gain if, let's say, I put mm -hmm. 300 bucks away every single month uh, towards like a savings account or something. Sure, right? of course. And what that also does is that gives you the flexibility to, you know, not be worried if, let's say, you know, I mean, how many people lost their job due yep. to COVID or, or whatnot, right? Or mm -hmm. uh, And it allows you to invest into the things that you're, you're passionate about and right. all that sort of stuff. The last thing for me is um, just coming at wits and being okay with quitting at things, right? And just being like, okay, you know, this isn't working for me. So, you know, let's just cut my losses and let's right. just move on to like the next thing and stuff. Right. Yep. And that, that's been, I think know, that's huge. I think that's really important to take note mm -hmm. of is like yeah. to know when, like to know when to stop and yeah. to know when to like stop pushing so hard and just to yeah. I quote unquote give up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
and it's it's such a it's such a fine line right because it's like okay how do i know that you know using the analogy i'm three feet away from gold per se if mm-hmm. we're considering gold is okay i've i've broken through and i've discovered this and this is my thing right versus you know i'm i'm just spinning my wheels doing this and just not really getting anywhere and you know for me it's funny because even though i failed at building a software company as like the you know the leadership and i was able to like cut my losses there you know i found that i'm actually very more effective you know working alongside other very successful entrepreneurs and stuff who have built software companies before and learning from them and learning the things that they have done to get from level to level and just being very intimate with the details and playbooks that they followed right so it wasn't necessarily that i was i was bad at building a software company is i didn't have all the tools and skill sets yet to be able to mm. really build that software hone company. in yeah hone in right so i had to kind of cut my losses go back to the drawing board really recognize what i was missing and find other opportunities to to work and develop on those things because i truly believe that i'm going to return back to that and and spend a lot of my energy building software companies now that i'm equipped with some of this knowledge and background and connections and relationships mm-hmm. and stuff right of course so, yeah so those are those are four of the things that i've used to awesome. kind of help me identify and navigate and um hopefully land on something that uh, will will kind of continue to to lead me along the path for sure yeah thanks for sharing that i think that i mean i find that valuable i think that everybody listening will probably find that valuable too so that's awesome thanks yeah no problem that kind of is a nice segue into something a couple things i wanted to talk to you about in terms of just like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial advice that's a really hard word to say you guys (laughs) um how like my biggest question is how do you know who to trust in business yeah that's a really good question Thanks. I thought of it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, when you're bringing on a co-founder, you know, very important task, but can be very beneficial if you do it right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, the, some of the things that I like to do is just making sure that there are agreements put in place that are very clear with what the expectations are and very clear with just defining what the, you know what the ROI is for that person's time right. if they do decide to to work alongside with you right so why that's important with developing trust per se is you know some people will look at that as being oh if you trusted the person then you know you wouldn't have to do that or whatnot but people's priorities change mm-hmm. right if you work with someone and let's say 2 years down the road they decide to completely quit and you know they're like hey you know what kara you know yeah. you just go do this thing right. you know I'm, i i can't do this anymore i got this other job offer or whatever then you're going to be left with not only that person's workload but also yours and also you know he or she is going to have ownership of your business and they're not doing anything yeah right so you know there's definitely a lot of like legal work that then has to be done but if you prepare for that relationship then both of you are then comfortable to be like okay these, this is kind of what happens mm-hmm. if you decide to leave or this is what's going to be the return for your time. So everything is just kind of laid out like in black and white and stuff, yeah. right? And, you know, I do it for, you know, team members, employees. I do it for co-founders, for even partners and speakers, right? Back to one of the earlier examples that I, I was providing around, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the BLM movement and, you know, some of the things that they could have done better to avoid some of the, the challenges and stuff, right? So... 
I think it's it's very it's very difficult, but at the same time, you can you can cover your your ends per se right. by just making sure that the the correct documentation is put in place for sure, and that honest discussion is had with that person to be like. This is what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that shit is going to go south at some point. Yep. And, you know, we're going to be challenged and, and, and pushed to the wall and everything. Mm-hmm. I need to know that you are with me. Mm-hmm. If you're with me, you know, just sign on this dotted Sounds line. Sounds like a marriage. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And so what about like an entrepreneur who's has all these big ideas and is wanting to kind of get started and wanting to maybe look for a mentor or other like-minded people? Like how would you recommend that they kind of network and band together besides listening to my podcast and talking about yes. it? Yes. <laughs> Listen to Kara's podcast. That's number one. Uh, you know, I think it comes down to putting yourself out there and that, you know, what I'm finding too is that some of the best relationships that I'm making in the the business world have been from being in different countries and being in different mm, cities and stuff. Interesting. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with the the density in maybe some of the larger cities. Yeah. Where, you know, if let's say you go to Silicon Valley, for example, or Atlanta or New York or something, mm-hmm. um, because the, the, the population is so dense. And if I go to, let's say, a, a tech event there, there's a good chance that I can you know, find somebody that look, talks and walks like me and that sort of thing, right? For sure, yep. Um, so, yeah, I think travel is, is a really, really big part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really, you know, back to my example of sitting on not-for-profit boards and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's just so many serendipitous connections that you can make and you're really coming from a place of offering your skill sets, right? And I think that's why it's so key for, for young people is because, we know a lot of things that maybe, you know, the older generation doesn't know. We know how to use the internet. We know mm-hmm. how to, you know, run a podcast, right? Yeah, like imagine for sure. if you could go to a non for profit and be like, hey, you have a really powerful mission. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, how about we 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 get out that dialogue in the form of a podcast, right? Yeah. Like there's just so many things that we can offer to to boards and stuff. And it's another way to kind of build your your relationships and, and networking and 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 uh, mentors. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break here so that I can tell you a joke. Yes, a joke. Why? Because I only have one sponsor so far, and I want to break up the conversation and spice it up a little bit. And so if you guys know anybody or if you would like to advertise on this podcast, please reach out to me via my Instagram. But until then, I'm just going to be telling you guys jokes and making you laugh until the cows come home. Okay, so today's joke is... Uh, wait, fuck, what is it? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm here. What are your other two wishes? <laughs> Get it? Like a genie? Okay, thank you. Also, you are welcome. And we are going to dive back into the conversation with Sar. Um... What I really want to know too, though, is I want to get into autonomic. Like, how did <laughs> you? Sure. How did you get into? Like, first of all, what is it? Second of all, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's what was your journey to take you there? For sure, and I'll, I'll make this really quick. But uh, so yeah, with autonomic, they we are a, um, a company based out of San Jose, so right mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. And what we do is we remove the biggest headache when building software, and uh, what that headache is is actually testing it testing it to make sure that it, it works. Oh, cool. Right? So generally, you know, if you think of building software very similar to, let's say, building a car, 
-hmm. there's five very distinct steps that you have to take. You have to take that idea of that car out of your head and draft it in some kind of like on your on some kind of paper or some kind of blueprint or something yep, right for sure um once that idea is out of your head you then have to um architect it to be like okay this is how the steering wheel is going to work exactly this is how you know when you press on this brake this is how it's going to work mm -hmm. and you know you have to really get into like the nitty-gritty of the, right. the fundamentals of how that car operates and once you do that then you actually push it into manufacturing right then you actually send it to the assembly line for it to be like created and painted and all assembled together and stuff right mm -hmm. uh, and then from there is a very crucial step called the testing step so that brake that you architected in step two you know if someone presses on that brake it better work right? absolutely or that start to stop engine button it better work when you when you press it mm -hmm. or else you know they're going to be hit with a lot of liabilities and lawsuits and uh, you know even worse deaths by by people of who course, are using yeah. your product and trusting your product and then from there, you got to maintain it, right? So you got to have the infrastructure in the shops to make sure that that car is getting serviced and, you know, getting its oil changes and the brake pads replaced and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So building software is very simple. It's very similar in the sense that you have to, you know, ideate, architect, um, construct, which is the coding, which most people are very familiar with, uh, with, with software when mm -hmm. creating software, mm -hmm. um, and then test it and then maintain it. So, uh, you know, you can think of autonomic as being like the, 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 the tester and the, the maintainer for all these software products that are created. Um, and, and why it's so important in this day and age is, you know, everything is becoming digital. Everything, software is eating the world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the apps that we use, the programs that we use, the, you know, the Siri devices that we talk to, every company is trying to pump out software to provide a better customer experience. For, for their for people that use their products and stuff right right so you know we're, we're seeing this trend of this explosion in software technology and what happened in the past was that the tester used to be a human being who used to you know open up instagram and if i click on kara's profile make sure it goes to kara's profile or if i yeah. like this page make sure i like it um, but that's not scalable anymore humans Aren't right. equipped to do those tasks right so we train artificial intelligence machines and and robots per se to to do that work um, because they make less errors um, they provide more coverage yep and you know they can scale with as much software that's kind of being created and stuff so and yeah the opportunity <laughs> the opportunity came about because i, I met the co-founders in, in in portugal when okay. i was when i was traveling uh, we were both attending a, a conference and it was just so serendipitous that they were looking for a, another place to expand one of their, their subsidiary offices to. Mm -hmm. and, and they never considered Canada up until I started talking about them, about how great the country is and stuff. Yeah, and hell yeah. It just ended up working out. <laughs> cool. That's so interesting. It's crazy yeah. that like, you had no idea you were going to meet that person exactly. at the conference. You know, like it's crazy that by just by doing the right things and like focusing on what's important to you and how you want to continue to build your network and educate yourself on certain things yeah. is going to get you where exactly where you want to be. Well, you nailed it, right? It's just being very objective to be like, this is what I want to accomplish. Yep. And then the universe has a really interesting way of helping you get to those things. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, okay. Do you want to play a really quick game? Let's do it. Okay. So we're just going to play rapid fire. So it's gonna be a little bit lighter of a conversation than we've been having so far. Okay. <laughs> um, just to end on kind of a fun note. Okay. Uh, texting or talking? Ooh, texting. Really? Yeah. I thought you were gonna say talking. Interesting. Okay. Sweet or salty? I'm introverted. 
Okay, uh, fair. Sweet or salty? Uh, salty, yeah. Okay. Um, my chips. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> okay, on a scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? 15. Oh, okay, okay. No accidents. Not so, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What's your favorite day of the week? I love, I've learned to love Mondays. Okay. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Uh, sunset or sunrise? Ooh, sunset. It's a little bit warmer. Who's your celebrity crush? Ooh. Is Halle Berry too cliche? No, she's hot. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's roll with that one. Or Jennifer yeah. Lopez, I think. Oh, yeah. J-Lo. I mean, hello, <laughs> Super Bowl. Like, let's go. Um... What's your favorite city in the world? And if you say Edmonton, I swear Ooh. to God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just in uh, in Spain, I say. Barcelona. Jesus. Barcelona. Holy moly. Okay, we well, know what it took us a minute, but uh, we got there. But We've it, talked uh, about a lot. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> like, you're allowed to stutter for a second. I do like Tokyo too, even though I haven't been. But oh. I'm practicing my Japanese to get there. Really? So, yeah. Can you say something in Japanese? Konnichiwa. 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 That means hello, right? <laughs> yes. Awesome. And uh, watashi no naimaiwa SJ this. My name is SJ. So, uh, so people call me SJ for, for short. Oh, okay. So that's how you say my name is SJ. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we are a we are a multi bilingual, trilingual, whatever Don't podcast. Get me wrong. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> um if you could time travel to any time in the past or future, where would you go? Ooh. I would go back to 2007 when I won my first U17 basketball championships with Team Alberta. Oh. Special moment. Yeah. I cool. sat on the bench Big the whole moment. time, but we won. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I remember winning like a provincial field hockey because I play field hockey in university. Yeah. I remember winning like a provincial field hockey um, tournament like in high school. Nice. And that yeah. was just like the highest high. Like yeah. nothing beats that feeling. I know. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. We, we went like in university. We went, we placed second and third uh, in, in nationals and it still didn't replace winning number one in, in high school. Right. So, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how you remember those things. Hey. Yeah. They um, how they stick out in your memory? Mm. Uh, beach or mountains? Ooh, beach. Hell yeah, me too. What's your pet peeve? Pet peeve? Uh, even though I like texting, I'm not good at texting back. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I prefer texting. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of pets, dogs or cats? Ooh, dog for sure. Yeah, yeah. me too. Big yeah. time. Cats are assholes. <laughs> Sorry for cat owners out there. Um, okay, so I think I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much thank for you. sitting with us. You're so incredible. Thank you. You too. Um, thank for you for this. sharing everything that we talked about today. I found it yes. so powerful and insightful. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? Plug your, your socials and your website and stuff. Yeah, on social media, on, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at uh, just Sar S Junior, so S A H R S Junior, spelled out. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to follow, you can follow Sea Tribe Festival too. Uh, we have the Sea Tribe Festival page. Yeah, as well and as go to Sea Tribe Festival. Yeah, attend. and maybe we'll do a live podcast on stage. Little we'll bottle. see. <laughs> um, okay, guys, and as always, you can find me on Instagram at Cara DeBella, Cara with a C, and at That Pretty Good Podcast. If you like this episode, please share it online. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell my mom. Tell everybody. And I will talk to you guys next week. Be good. Bye.